This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. super glad to be with you today. This is Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I have been sober since December 2nd of 2012. We've had a lot of new things happening around here, a lot of amazing growth and a lot of new opportunities for you to find support and help through Worth Recovery. I'm so excited to be where we are. I keep saying we because we are all involved in this together. As I shared in our last episode, the podcast just keeps growing and growing and growing beyond where I ever, ever thought or anticipated it could go. And so with that growth, I need your help. I want you to be a bigger part of Worth Recovery, a much bigger part of Worth Recovery. Right now, this podcast is provided free throughout the world. I want to be able to keep it that way, free, so that anyone who needs it has access to it, anyone and anywhere. However, there are expenses associated with producing and hosting this podcast. There is also a huge time commitment, roughly 10 to 12 hours a week, in order to keep it going. And that's why I need your help. Has this podcast helped you? Do you have a favorite episode that has maybe changed your recovery? Do you sometimes cry along with me as we talk about really hard things? If so, I need you to show your support of Worth Recovery by becoming a Worth Warrior. Worth Warriors are patrons of Worth Recovery who commit a small amount each month in exchange for special status and perks. And when I say a small amount, I really mean it. You can become a Worth Warrior for as little as $4 a month. That's only 50 cents an episode and is less than the price of a coffee or lunch for one day. The littlest amount helps to offset production and hosting costs. If you can afford more than that, then there are additional benefits at the $8 or $12 a month levels, including access to the super secret Worth Warriors Facebook group. It's a totally hidden group so that you can all connect and talk to each other. Or for $20 a month, you gain access to the monthly Worth Warriors conference call, which is an open question and answer session with everyone that wants to be part of it. If you really want to show your support at $50 a month, you receive a personal one-on-one coaching session with me every month where we discuss your recovery and all the things going on in your life. And you can ask me any questions that you might have and share anything that you've got going on in your life. If this podcast has helped you in any way, I encourage you to show that by becoming a Worth Warrior. I want to keep this podcast free of charge. I want it to be available to anyone, anywhere, at any time, whenever they need it. And you can help me make that happen. From the website, worthrecovery.com, you can click on the button on the right that says Become a Worth Warrior. If you're listening from the Podbean application or from the Podbean website, you can click on the button at the top that says Become a Patron. You just easily select your reward level, fill out your information, and you are good to go. Again, if you have connected with this in any way, if you want to be a part of giving back to this amazing group of women fighting to find and maintain their worth, 
Become a worth warrior because that's what we are doing. We're fighting for our worth all of the time in a world that's over-sexualized and prejudiced against women in general. Becoming a worth warrior helps you to fight back. I'm excited about this. I hope that you'll join me. Okay, now for today's topic. Today is episode 31, and this is a continuation of our deep dive into the 12 steps of recovery. We're currently discussing step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. In our first episode about step three, that was episode 25, we discussed becoming a decision maker. We are decision makers in our lives. Step three requires us to take responsibility for both our actions and our inactions. In step 27, we discussed the battle of wills, our will versus God's will, how the misuse of self-will was our problem all along, and why we need to give up our will to our higher power, to God. In episode 29, we talked about the care of God. When we make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, it's not for him to play around with or to do whatever fancies him. We turn our will over to the care of God. We discussed what the care of God is, and I shared some of my experiences where I had seen the care of God in my life. And today, episode 31, is our final episode on step three, and it is titled, It Works When I Work It. (laughs) All of the steps require action. Just saying them, talking about them, going to meetings, and staying sober isn't enough. If we really want our lives to be different, if we really want long-term recovery and change, we have to work the steps. We must take action and work the steps in our lives. So how do we do that with step three? How do we work this step in our life? The NA step guide tells us this, quote, we need to realize that making a decision without following it up with action is meaningless. For example, we can decide one morning to go somewhere and then sit down and not leave our home the rest of the day. Doing so would render our earlier decision meaningless, no more significant than any random thought we may have, close quote. (laughs) How true is that? We make decisions all the time, and how many of them actually materialize or happen? Every night, I set my alarm for the morning. I make a decision about what time I will get up the next day. How many days a week do I actually get up at that time when my alarm goes off, or do I just keep hitting snooze? Well, for me right now, I get up when my alarm goes off definitely 9 out of 10 times. But when I was acting out in an addiction with like crazy unmanageability, It never happened. Though this step says it is simply making a decision, without action to back that decision up, that decision is meaningless. So I want to talk about action today. Let's do it. For me, one of the very first actions associated with this step is opening my life up to consultation. This meant that I openly and honestly discussed my life with my higher power and with others. I actually started doing it with other people first. I had never done that before. I had never been truthful about exactly what was going on for me, the struggles I was having, the things I was feeling. Not only was I not discussing my life, I was never, ever asking for help or feedback or advice. One of the first concrete actions for working step three is living in consultation. This will look a little different for everyone. Having a sponsor and listening to what your sponsor says and doing what your sponsor asks you to do, whether you want to or not, is living in consultation. 
seeking help from a therapist, and honestly listening to what they have to say and completing your homework and doing the things that they've asked you to do is living in consultation. Engaging your spouse in questions about what to do, where to go, how to handle something, and actually listening to what they have to say is living in consultation. Consultation means I am open to feedback and willing to change course if the feedback warrants that. This does not mean I take everyone's advice and become a people pleaser. This does not mean that everyone around me gets to dictate what I do with my time, my money, or my life, nor does it mean that everyone around me gets access to everything going on in my life. What it does mean is that I'm open and honest, and I'm willing to listen to what others think, those others that I have selected to be my consultants. I remember one night when I started doing this, I had been in a meeting for a volunteer organization that I was helping out with. There was a difficult topic that had come up, one that I was pretty passionate about and had strong opinions. You can't imagine me having strong opinions, right? (laughs) No, I had really strong opinions. The conversation was heated, but I felt like I had handled things appropriately and within the right limits. After the meeting was over, I was driving home with a friend of mine. I turned to him and said, okay, so I'm open to feedback. How do you think that went? With a kind of shocked look on his face, he said, uh, do you really want to know? Do, do you want me to be honest? Yes, I said, I'm trying to live in consultation. I want to get better at handling things like this. So I would like to know what you think and how you felt that went. He gave me some great feedback. He complimented me on a few things and then provided some pretty critical remarks about my tone of voice and what I had to say. I listened. I tried to like keep a good poker face, even though inside I was squirming and I was really kind of devastated by what he had to say. For the next few days, I had to really work at not being mad at him. I had asked for feedback. So when he provided it, it was my responsibility to listen to it take in what rung true to me, and leave the rest to sit out there. In the end, he was right about a few of the things, probably all the things, if I'm being honest. In incorporating what he had to say, I got better at expressing my passionate opinions in a way that worked better for others and for me because I was being heard. This is not always easy, not at all. It took me a long time to be able to understand that feedback is just someone else's opinion. I needed to be open to it, needed to consult about how things were going, but I didn't have to pick up every single thing that was said to me. It has been extremely valuable for living in consultation. Of course, because this step is about turning my will over to my higher power, I also needed to learn to live in consultation with God. To help me start living in consultation, I started two things in my life. First was a morning prayer. I had somewhat been a consistent prayer at night, but it was more like, hey, this is what I did today. I'm sorry I screwed things up. Please keep me safe. See ya. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the extent of my prayers. Now, I tried my hand at morning prayer. I wanted to try to be preventative. I would try to open my life to the things that God would have me do that day. I would lay out my day and talk about the things I was planning to do, And then I would say the same thing I had said to my friend. Hey, I'm open for feedback. What do you think about this? Now, I never really got like, you know, voices in my head or no major changes, massive revelation or anything like that. But it was an attitude shift for me. It was like what the third step prayer says from the AA Big Book. God, I offer myself to thee 
today to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. What I was trying to do was to just open my life up to God in a way that would allow him to provide feedback for me. I'm sure the first time around, he kind of had that shocked look on his face like my friend did and was like, uh, do you really want to know? Do you really want me to be honest with you? But as it became more of a habit, I did notice that throughout the day, I would just have slight impressions about changing something I was planning to do or saying something differently than what I had planned to say or calling someone that might need my help. As I went along, the more and more I was able to see God working in my life. The second way that really helped me with this, like kind of worked in tandem with my morning prayer, was a daily reflection at the end of the day. Now, this was an assignment from my sponsor. I would not have done this on my own, but she gave me an assignment at the end of each day to list five things that I had done that day that I felt were God's will and five things that I did that day that I felt were my will. I still have these lists from the first time I did them. I don't know. What was that? Like five years ago or something. And these were, I just have a few, some of the things that were God's will in my life. I went to a meeting. I spent time with my sister. I worked while I was at work. I had a problem with that. Um, I avoided fighting about tables. I'm not really sure what that means, but I have it on here twice. So it must've been significant at the time. Um, I was reaching out to sad friends. I called a group member. I handled things at work without losing my temper. Those were just some of the things I wrote that were God's will in my life that day. And then I have some things that I wrote that were my will. Um, I skipped morning prayer one day. I binge watched TV. I'm not sure how many hours that was, but I'm sure it was a lot. I spent too much money on clothes, money that I didn't have. I gossiped about my sister. I ate so much that I felt, oh, it's in present tense. I ate so much I feel uncomfortable. I did a lot of negative talk about my sister. I objectified a man on the street. These two things, opening my day with consultation with God and closing my day with the reflection really helped me turn my will over. I started to see things that I was doing that weren't really helping me in my life. This also helped me see and get in the habit that this step is a daily act. This isn't a one-time thing. We repeat this step every day. We turn our will over to God daily. And sometimes for me, it was hourly or even moment by moment. This is still something that I do. And in some areas of my life, it gets better and easier. But in some areas of my life, it's still incredibly difficult. But it is something that I seek to do every day. Another common activity I see in working step three is the creation of a God box. The God box is an exercise that has been part of 12-step tradition for a long time. My sponsor introduced it to me. I'm staring at mine right now. I have found this to be really helpful, especially for those that are like really kinesthetic and action-oriented. It's awesome for that. This is how it works. So you find a small box of some sort that has a lid. Some use a small trinket boxes or wooden boxes that you can paint. I've seen some make them out of origami. Whatever works for you is what works. Mine is wood and I painted it. For a week, when I got the box, I just prayed over the box. I explained to my higher power that I would be placing things in the box that I need to turn over to his care because they were causing problems in my life. 
They might be attitudes, people, experiences, resentments, triggers, etc. It didn't matter. Every day I explained to my higher power that I needed his help with the things I was going to place in the box. I like this because it established my willingness. It helped me to get ready to turn over my will. Then after I did that for a week, using small strips of paper, I would write the things that were causing problems for me and I would place them in the box. Every time I placed something in the box, I would pray about it first. And I specifically used these words. I turn this over to your care and ask for greater trust in you. Then I try to let it go. If I find that I'm still obsessing about it or not really willing to let it go, then the next day I take it out of the box, I hold it in my hands, and I say the prayer again. I turn this over to your care and ask for greater trust in you. You know, what this really did for me was to realize how much I really wasn't ready, willing, or even wanted to turn certain things over to my higher power. I would pray about them. I knew they were causing problems for me and I would put them in the box. And then I would think about them, obsess about them, and sometimes even act on them knowing that they were in the box. And then the next day, I'd have to pull it back out, look at it again, hold it in my hands, say the prayer, and put it back. After repeating it several times, there were some things I was really able to let go of. Some things that really changed in my life for the better, way for the better. You know what? I'm going to start doing this again. I have some things going on in my life right now that I need to turn over to God. I haven't done this on a consistent basis for a long time, years probably, but I really feel like maybe it's time to start doing it again. So I'm going to work on this. I'm going to start this again tonight. It was a really great thing for me and I want to make it happen again. Those have been a few things that have worked for me. Living in consultation, morning prayer and evening reflection with God, creating a God box. There's one more thing I want to share with you that has worked for me and for a lot of the women that I sponsor. I read recently somewhere, probably Facebook or something, that actions tell us who we are, where words only tell us who we want to be. I agree with that. Actions are what tells us if we have turned our will and our lives over to the care of God. I always look for evidence in my actions. If I have made this decision and I'm acting on it, there will be evidence in my life to support that decision. So this is one of my favorite assignments that I give to sponsees when they're working on step three is looking for evidence. Step three is an action step. We made a decision and turned our lives and our will over to a higher power. If that higher power were looking at our life, what evidence are we providing of the decision that we made? How is our life different? What different decisions are we making? What different paths are we choosing? How are our relationships different than they were before? I talk about these questions with my sponsees and I have them write about it. I want them to look for the evidence in their lives. I usually give them a period of time and have them write about the different decisions that they are making. Write about the different evidence that they have of this decision to turn their will and their lives over to God. Sometimes it comes in the form of a list or sometimes it's a narrative. doesn't matter. Whatever works for them is fine with me. I have found that this really helps me and them reflect on the success that they are having and the things that they're doing differently in their lives because they've worked steps one, two, and three. One of my sponsees said that she reflects on this list really frequently because it reminds her that she is not failing. (laughs) Sometimes as we get into recovery, it feels like we're failing or maybe we feel like change isn't happening fast enough or that there's even been any change at all. 
This can be a very powerful tool for reflection and hope. I know it was in my life. I write about my life a lot and having these lists to reflect on the changes that I have made is totally awesome. What it also helps me see is that, in fact, with with God's help, things work out in my life. With God's input in my life, with seeking consultation, with turning things over, my needs get met. And they get met in ways better than I ever imagined. I love the way this act is described in an excerpt from the webpage 12steps.org. Quote, a common recovery phrase used in 12-step groups is turn it over. For the recovering person, this means turning over to God's care, not only the major things like addictions and alcoholism, it means turning over every aspect of life, even the small frustration involved in handling children or trying to make a faulty appliance work or dealing with congested freeway traffic. In the face of these irritations, the recovering person will say time and time again, turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. Breaking out of this bondage of self does not mean we ignore or deny our needs. In fact, quite the reverse is true. If we can discover healthy, God-directed ways to meet our emotional and physical needs, then we actually become less needy, less selfish, less self-preoccupied individuals. This is another recovery paradox. Discovering what our needs are and asking to have those needs met may be one of the most unselfish things we do. All of us have needs and all of us have choices as to how those needs are going to be met. Addictions, compulsions, and codependencies are counterfeit means of trying to meet our basic physical, emotional, and spiritual hungers. With God's help, we can find genuine ways of satisfying them. Close quote. I have found that to be true in my life. The more I turn over to God, the less needy, less selfish, less self-absorbed I am. I have learned that God wants me to find meaning in my life and that he will help me do that. Again, I want to repeat step three. This step is one we must continually practice and work in our lives. Very seldom does life go the way we want it to go. Very seldom does the universe operate on our timetable. There are things in my life that I have to turn over to God every single day. I'm not kidding. I'll give you an example. I've mentioned before that I always wanted to have children. I always wanted a large family with lots of kids. Well, I'm single and 40 with with no kids. And most likely at this age, I will not have my own biological children. I know I'm not the only woman that faces this loss. There are many, many of us out there, more than there should be. This is something I have to turn over to God every single day. And sometimes it's multiple times a day. Some days I'm stronger than others and it's not a big deal. I find other ways to support children and families and to nurture and that that is really good for me. But then I have days like today. One of my seven-year-old piano students, I teach piano, invited me to her school program this morning where she danced and sang. It was adorable and it was all I could do to hold my composure until I left, aching for my own children. That will not be my life. And now I'm trying to reinvent what my life is going to be like. And that's not always an easy process. But this is something that I turn over to God every single day. Because I can't bear it alone. And with him, I can though. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. In in the working of step three, there is a lot I have learned in my life. 
First and foremost is that there is a lot about my higher power and the world that I don't understand. I don't know why things go the way they do. I don't know why some of us have addictions and some of us don't. I don't know why some have children and some don't. I don't know why some are abused and some aren't. I don't know why some live in desperate circumstances and others in incredible wealth. I don't know the answers to any of those questions. But the other thing I have learned in working step three is the reality of a higher power, my higher power, who cares about me and my life. I know that he could have somehow shielded me from abuse and addiction. I know that he could prevent all accidents, save me from all pain, and rescue me from labor, effort, sickness, even from death, if it was his will. But I also know it's not. I understand this because I realize how unwise it would be for me to shield my students, my siblings, my parents, or other people in my life from all effort, from disappointments, from triggers, from emotions, from sorrows, from suffering. Without these things, there is no growth. However, in working step three, in turning my will and my life over to the care of God, I have found peace, comfort, and refuge in the storms of life. I have found sobriety, recovery, emotional stability, friendship, love, acceptance, support, and meaning. Is everything perfect? (laughs) No, far from it. Is everything even great? No, not at all. I struggle. I cry, I ask why, I handle things wrong, I hurt others, and I am hurt. Turning my will over to God hasn't meant rainbows, glitter, and unicorns. But what it has meant is that with the help of my higher power, I can move forward. I can get help, I can make changes, and I can find meaning in the experiences and struggles of my life. And I know that you can too. I'm grateful for the steps in my life. I am so grateful for the steps, for those that went ahead before me and wrote their experiences down so that I could learn from them. Because from their experiences, because I find meaning in their experiences. And with the help of my higher power, turning my will over to my higher power, to my God, I find meaning in my experiences. And that is peace. That is what working this step is all about. Getting out of myself, giving up my self-will that has caused so many problems for me, and finding meaning in the life that I'm living. I hope that maybe some of these suggestions and actions can help you in your working of step three. I know that as you turn your will over to God, it's not easy. Like I said, my experience has said that the more that I do it, the better and more peace I find in my life. Just a reminder that if this podcast has helped you in any way, I ask that you show your support by becoming a Worth Warrior today. You can find the link on the website, worthrecovery.com, or within the Podbean app at the top where it says become a patron. As always, I hope that you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, You are worth recovery, 100% worth it. I know that, and I hope that you know that. Keep up the fight. I think about you, I pray for you, I love you. Until next time, Amy.
little stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.